Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to the Alana Inquirer podcast. Derek Piper here in Piscataway at the rack still. Uh, as I'm sitting here just left the building he was still out here with some teammates and family members and still putting the ball in the basket still making buckets here on this court as Rutgers I know ultimately it was only an 11 point loss for Illinois but they dominated the Illini on this court and really owned them for the first 33-35 minutes of that game Illinois takes a loss they're now 11 and 4 in the Big Ten standings I know Purdue is playing as we speak leading Northwestern so uh, could have a half-game lead by the end of the night on the Illini. And Wisconsin gets it done against Indiana, so they're 11-4. and four, So an opportunity squandered for Illinois to continue to hold serve at the top of the league. And really, it wasn't just the fact that Illinois lost. Uh, I, I picked Illinois to lose. I got crushed for it on the message boards. I didn't see it like this. Uh, most down votes in my history of time at Illini Inquirer, but uh, – <laughs> I think the way in which they lost is something that is not going to sit right with Brad Underwood, is not going to sit right with fans. And we'll get into that, Joey, as we begin this. 70 to 59, it was closer, or it wasn't as close as the score ultimately said. That was uh, just, that was Rutgers wanting it more than Illinois, which is hard to say because we're not in those huddles. We're not, it's, we're not playing in the games, but there was a, tone set very early on by this team, by the fans in this stands, that they played like they wanted this game more than anything they wanted in their lives. Illinois did not respond well to how hard Rutgers was playing and then did not just show outwardly that they cared as much about winning this game either. When you look at the glass, when you look at just the effort in a variety of ways, what did you make of the version of the Illini that we saw tonight? Well, first off, I think you cut out when you said someone was still on the floor um, I'm assuming it's oh. like five of Rutgers starters just still getting buckets <laughs> until they're done doing that. Dang, it was Paul Mulcahy. Atlanta yeah, fans will, of course, like to know that. But, uh, yeah, it's still <laughs> making buckets. Still uh, dribble moves into the lane and fancy fadeaways from 12 feet or whatever. That dude's turned into a nice player. Like, we can talk about that. I, I think there is something that – it's easy to get caught up in Illinois here. Uh, but Rutgers has done something impressive. This wasn't all just Illinois laying an egg, uh, but we'll get into that. We'll focus on Illinois first and foremost. For them not to bring it tonight, and once they got punched multiple times in the mouth by Rutgers and still not have that response, what did you make of that? Yeah, I, you could live with Rutgers taking advantage of Illinois shooting really poorly from three, right? Because they still didn't like break out to some – unfathomable lead when Illinois couldn't get anything to fall. There was a point in the second half, it got back within six and you're like, all right, you know, they'll get a couple to fall. They really had a couple, one to go late in the first and, and a fortune of bad luck. Monte hit a banker that was called off because it was late. And that's kind of the way this whole thing went. But 
it wasn't even that Rutgers was this super hot offense. It, they gave Illinois every chance for really the first 25, 26, 27 minutes to eradicate all the bad play that they had. But Illinois just couldn't couldn't close the game. Like you, the rebounding was just atrocious. They got out-rebounded 46-28. to 28. Illinois has Kofi Coburn. And I guess this isn't a, a knock on Kofi. The guy had 10 of the team's 28 rebounds. He had more than a third of the rebound. Like that's, I think, I'm not very good at math. That's going to be a tough one to come back from. But it, no one else had more than four. And that, and that was Trent Frazier. Like this team, Brad Underwood's teams, those guards, you know, you, you think of an Io DeSumo and Andres Felice, and really even for the better part of the stretch run last year, Andre Curbelo what was crashing the glass and you just, where is that at? I mean, you look at guys like DeMonte Williams, he had one rebound. Alfonso Plummer had one rebound. Dude, that's not it. Like you're not, you're not going to win on the road with that. I mean, they held Rutgers to 47%, which isn't, you know, some horrible number, but you can't get out rebounded like that. And Rutgers just, they played their butts off. They played really, really hard to win that game. And, there's some lackadaisical passes from Illinois that you've seen kind of pop up a little bit more here in the last couple of games. I, you almost, you've got to wonder what version of Illinois is happening right now. Like the, the second half of Purdue, then the first half against Northwestern, I thought they were pretty good. The second half, not at all. And then this whole game was, was just not good. And, you know, it's, it's a tough road coming up here. I, that was and I, I listened to a little bit of Brad's post game, and he's you're right, he's right. They didn't they didn't respond in, in a single slight way when adversity hit. And the crazy thing is, it was still there for them to kind of wash that away. And they didn't do it. Yeah, I think this would have been one thing if you're playing at Northwestern, and maybe you don't expect the Wildcats to give you a run. I mean, you're talking about a Rutgers team that had just beaten Michigan State, Ohio State, one at Wisconsin. They've beaten. Everyone that you're in contention with at the top of the Big Ten and even in that next tier, they've either beaten here or they went to Madison and beat Wisconsin. So that should have been the full alert of, hey, this team's going to bring it tonight. And for Brad to say right off the bat in his postgame press conference, like the, the number one message I was driving home is the reason Rutgers is winning is because they're playing harder than anyone that they're playing. And for Illinois not to come out with that intensity and then to not, even if you maybe that fell on deaf ears at first to then recognize it like, oh, crap, we're in a battle. We're in this raucous environment and it's loud as heck. You probably didn't think you're going to play in a, a place that was as loud as Mackey. And this one at least rivaled it. I wouldn't say it was past it, but uh, it was up there like it was on and Illinois did not have the response. And there's something to be said for when shots don't go down. I just think that there's a couple of different things that we can talk about. Illinois' lack of confidence shooting-wise, they're in a rut. Like, outside of Alfonso Plummer having a couple of heaters in just one half, like the first half of Purdue, the first half of Northwestern, the shot-making around Kofi Coburn has been very concerning and very lackluster. Like, coming into this game over the last six contests, Grandison, DeMonte, and Trent were collectively shooting 26% from three, and they go, what was it? Was it one for 12, two for 12 tonight combined? Mm -hmm. Trent hit three. Uh, oh, he hit three. He did he hit, hit three. three. 
and Jacob Grandison hit one. Plummer was zero. Williams was zero. Corbello okay. was zero. Goody was zero. Yeah, and so just to not have that, and at one point they missed, they were what, one for 13, one for 14 from three at halftime. Trent had one from the corner, and that's the point. Like, you were making – Rutgers was for as well as they were playing. I'm sitting there watching Mulcahy do his thing and Harper hit shots and uh, Amori play really, really well. When Trent hits that three from the corner, you're down nine at halftime. You're like, okay, fine. Let's let's regroup. Let's come out. Let's let's figure this thing out. And and they did not take advantage of that and just let it slip away. And just time after time, effort plays were not being made. And I know it was a conversation on Twitter throughout the game. It's like, well, duh, the rebounding numbers are skewed because Illinois is missing all their shots. Rutgers is making them. So then Rutgers is grabbing the rebounds off of Illinois' misses. Rutgers shot like 48% from the field, which is a pretty good percentage, and then got like 50% of their misses back. That's just incredible. Like That, that, shit, that cannot happen. And there were just a number of putbacks and just tip-outs that then led to a, a shot and, and – Plummer wasn't boxing anybody out or rebounding at all. And, uh, yeah, this team – and you wrote it in the quick hits. And correct me if I'm wrong, you had the stat. It was – have they been out rebounding seven in the last nine? I'd have to – I think that was it, yeah. That ain't – that's not the recipe, dude. It's hard to – that's hard to fathom. That is hard to fathom. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, Derek, and really even Jake hit a three to start the second half. They get within six, and at that yeah. point you're like, all right, this team's still really good. We we think that. Um, and man, I I don't know, Derek. This is uh, I had a complete line of thinking, and I I lost it on the way. But you know, to the rebounding point, Illinois had eight offensive rebounds. They were the 18th best offensive rebounding team in the country entering this game. Like you would probably like to see them get a couple of more of those early. But I just I, I don't know what happened after Grandison hits the three. Kofi gets a, uh, hits one of his two free throws. He struggled from the line tonight. It's still a seven-point game. Again, not a, a nightmare. 12-0 run ended it. It ended it. Ben Bossman's Verdonk missed a couple free throws. They couldn't stem the tide. And it's weird that we say they couldn't stem the tide because we've generally seen – like, we've seen teams go on runs, but Illinois doesn't really make it easy for them. They, they make it easy in the sense that they don't score the ball. Like these droughts, these scoring droughts that they go on, they're going to get them. And that, that's going to come back. Like it's You can't do that to get to where they want to be. And tonight, the, the defense really didn't – Cliff Amore had six straight points in this 12 nothing run. He looked like the best center on the floor at times. And and Kofi yeah. Coburn's on the floor, and he still had 20 and 10. Like Kofi's – he's a four-star player. Right? He, had a, he had a great night, right? I mean, with – I thought, I think he gets a little block happy, but for the most part, offensively, it was the only thing that worked. But these, I, I can't get over these stretches, Derek. I know you wrote about it. You talked about it a lot coming into this game, these these scoring droughts. And when you're a team that is built around this pick your poison, how many times did we hear that from December through January? Pick your poison. Do you want to get Kofi? Do you want to get the three-point shooters? It's built, it's literally built that way. That is exactly why and how Brad Underwood constructed this roster was to get the ball into Kofi and make the defense freak all the way out until they figure out what in the world they're going to do. You're not hitting shots. There's no freaking out on the defense. You just send everybody you've got on your team down to number down to number 21 in the post and, and tell them good luck. And that's where these droughts come in. And you've got to have somebody step up and hit those shots or, 
it's going to be a long five games. And that Big Ten championship that you thought – I mean, last night, Derek, Wisconsin almost lost. Uh, Michigan State loses Michigan at Penn State. State. Ohio State was down a half. That was never really going to be a problem. And you thought, oh, okay. I am not saying that's out of the realm of possibility, but it, it's hard to do when teams go on 12 nothing runs, 11 nothing runs, 15 nothing runs. That's tough. Teams aren't built to overcome those. No. and 10 like there were times when by losing with you start over on that thought where this is right. this is going to be the when the, the bomb shelter that is the rack yeah, <laughs> uh yeah i think that the choice is is obvious right now for defenses when you're trying to guard illinois you got to send the extra action to kofi because you look at the shooting is not providing the floor spacing and Rutgers, while kofi got his with 20 and 10 like they did a pretty good job of making things tough, and Amori was able to wall up, and they brought Harper over sometimes, or uh, Okahe over sometimes. And Illinois, as they passed out, and Rutgers, to their credit, did a good job of rotating on the perimeter. It wasn't just like, okay, here's where the help comes from, so we throw to hit the guy that he was guarding, and he's wide open. No, they're they're switching and rotating that thing, so all of a sudden it's not just that easy. And Illinois – when they're in those situations of just stand around Kofi and wait for the ball to come out. And when that isn't working, whether to get to an open shooter or the open shooter isn't making the shot, you got to do something different. And I, I know that the fact of Curbelo not being quite there yet in terms of being trustworthy and running like pick and roll. Cause I think there's, there are moments where like the offense is different when he's in the game because it's the Curbelo offense. He's in the game. He's, he's doing some things on his own. And, and there's pick and roll that is brilliant. Like he threw one pass on a lob to Omar Payne that Omar Payne was the only guy that was going to touch it, and he slams it for two. But then there are other plays where Cabello has a bunch of turnovers or takes out off balance shots, and that's just it, that's kind of frustrating for Illinois right now because outside of him, we only see it in spurts of maybe one or two drives for Trent Frazier or one drive for Alfonso Plummer. Outside of that, you got a very limited perimeter of being able to get the ball to the paint when the threes aren't falling. So all of a sudden, if you're pretty three-point reliant around Kofi, those teams kind of have these peaks and valleys, and it's about being hot at the right time, which kind of – I mean, that's, that's college basketball. But I think you'd like to have something to pivot to or something to be a little bit more consistent with. And I, I don't know. I think that you'd hope that it levels out here and the shooting will then as you get closer to March – or down the stretch run starts to come back around for you. But I am a little concerned just kind of the way Illinois responded to it because there's there's looks that DeMonte is passing up. Like he has space to shoot and he doesn't want to shoot it. Or Grandison, when he, even Grandison made that from the top of the key the start of the second half, he had another wide open look. And he's like, uh, no, I'll pass it to the corner to Plummer. And so their confidence, overall, they were rattled tonight. But just in general, you've seen this kind of, sprout up here in recent games of, of confidence lacking and just I mean Rutgers came in with all the confidence in the world in Illinois uh, in terms of their shot making it's not there and, and that certainly hurt I know people looked at this matchup and said Rutgers can't touch Kofi like Kofi's going to have his game and and that's really the difference well Kofi had his game and you didn't do anything else around him and, and that is concerning yeah the pick and roll is interesting because 
I know Io gets all the credit in the world for everything he does, and he should, and everything he did at Illinois. But when things were bad, like, yeah, he could bail you out with the mid-range. He could bail you out with the three. He could get to the rim. But him and Kofi in that pick and roll, that really got things going a lot. And there isn't that right now. And and, and Andre Corbello just hasn't been the Andre Corbello we thought we'd see. I mean, the Purdue game, that first Purdue game looks – Looks like the outlier, to be honest. And you feel for the kid that's not trying to say, you know, mail everything in on Curbelo. That's not fair. It's, it's been a really tough go of it. But the reality is, is he's he plays out of control at times and it, it extends some of those prolonged prolonged stretches, Derek. And I we got to get to it because every game he, he makes us get to it. R.J. Melendez... I'll tell I, – I said this after Purdue. It took me a little bit to really think, like, okay. But he he's making a, an argument for more minutes. I mean, he's he was obviously really good against Northwestern. I, I thought he was really good against Northwestern. Tonight, I'm trying to pull up the minutes here. I don't like it when it minimizes. Uh, what do you – he had 11 minutes tonight, and, and a lot of those came in the second half because he, he got taken advantage of in the first half by – Ron Harper, who is a large-bodied wing. R.J. Melendez is not right now. And two straight possessions, bam, bam, Melendez is on the bench. But when he's out there, things seem to seem to happen a little bit. What does Illinois do? I mean, could, the guy's really starting to force a hand a little bit. He needs to play more for sure. And that was a tough matchup to be – we talked about it and joked about it, him guarding Ivy for a couple possessions at Purdue. Oh, by the way, let's – Followed up, go to the rack and have to check Ron Harper Jr., who Illinois prior to this year has had DeMonte Williams and Jacob Branson who can't do anything with him. So for Harper, of course, to attack him back-to-back possessions and school him and get to the basket, uh, that was certainly a reaction by Brad then. I think the matchups were a little bit tough because they wanted DeMonte on Mulcahy because of how much he's driving and how much he's playing in the pick and roll. Uh, so that was a matchup that made sense. Then – to play Plummer, you got to put him on McConnell because McConnell's like their their most non-factor offensive player in, in this kind of a rotation. And you take right. Yeah, they're yeah, exactly. Certainly. Uh so yeah. if you want to play Plummer with his shot making, which he's like the one guy that's gotten hot from three in the last three weeks, uh, that is certainly something you gotta do. Otherwise, you can put Melendez in there, but you're lacking with some some shooting. But the point is. When he got in the game, and I know Rutgers probably relaxed because they were up 20-plus a little bit, uh, and Illinois put on a press. But his energy is certainly very, very noticeable, and his ability to just have a knack for making things happen when he's on the floor, whether it's a made shot, whether it's a deflection, whether it's a rebound. He's got to be out there on the floor. And I, I know that Brad really trusts Jacob Grants. I know he really trusts Demonte Williams. I think that you're seeing more and more the indicators of – you got to find a way to put that guy out there. And I know that it will be matchup-based. It will be, can I trust RJ to guard this certain guy? Because similar to wherever we see Plummer out there, the opposing coach might say, we're going after him. So that's where I think that fans need to realize and understand that. You, you can't just watch the end of the game and say, look at what RJ did. you got to remember, okay, he had a matchup with Ron Harper. He had a very tough one that he couldn't do anything with. So uh, that is part of the conversation. But – he continues to stack it. He continues to produce. And for a team that lacked part tonight, for him to show that down the stretch, I think in hindsight, you probably would have liked to see him get a different matchup or get a little, maybe another go uh, 
earlier on in that game before it was completely out of hand. Yeah, they tried musical chairs on Ron Harper in the first half. I mean, you saw Brad throw Coleman out there. You saw him throw RJ out there. I, I want to say there's something. Maybe Demonte checked him on a couple plays. I mean, he is a he's a problem, and I I don't know. I, maybe it's too quick of a, a poll in, in the first half. It's I don't you know it's, it's it's easy to say now, but maybe if they don't, then maybe we're talking about Ron Harper going off and he's the star of the game, and it's not Cliff Amore. It, it's hard to say, but I, I do wonder. Someone posed this to me. Could RJ and DeMonte kind of be a package deal in, in some matchups on the floor, just given what DeMonte can do on opposing fours, that would seem to maybe alleviate a little bit of the defensive responsibilities for RJ? Yeah, I think that's a fair question. I wondered that as well because I didn't – I'll be honest. When I looked at this team and this game, I didn't know that Brandison would be the best matchup because I thought that if in your starting lineup, you're probably going to want to put DeMonte on Harper, in my opinion, because of the physicality. Uh, and I know that Harper did try to go at Jake some. Uh, but then all of a sudden you got Mulcahy, who's going to play a lot off the bounce, and he's he's quicker and able to get in the lane. So I thought that are you going to maybe put RJ on Mulcahy? Could you have maybe went that route? I know you put RJ on Ivy uh, and, and some of those pick and rolls. And, uh, again, I, I think you got away with that, although I think that it probably suits RJ better just being a, a really slender but – mobile, long type of defender at this point in time to maybe try to stay in front of okay instead of try to, you know, hold your ground when 6'6", big-bodied Ron Harbour Jr. is just going to pound you into the paint. So uh, that's something I think they're going to have to look at. And, uh, look, Michigan State's coming up. They got Malik Hall. They got Joey Hauser. I know that DeMonte checked Joey Hauser quite a bit in the last matchup. So maybe it's Melendez on Gabe Brown for some stretches. And I know that we'll, we'll completely break down maybe further what the stretch looks like, but I just think that until Granison shows that he's making shots again at a consistent enough rate, because look, he's not, he's not a plus defender. I don't even know if he's an average defender and he's not rebounding at his capabilities. I think that that's a conversation. Uh, maybe there is one with, with DeMonte at times too. So I fully understand why people continue to, to beat the drum for him. Um, but there is going to be some kind of give and take, especially with some of these older veteran dudes that might try to take advantage of him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, and look, I'm glad you mentioned Jay because he's been struggling. I mean, we, we can all see that. But I think Illinois still needs Jacob Grandison to get to where they want to go. Now, that doesn't mean... 
he should be getting twice the minutes of RJ Melendez right now. But I don't think you can just toss him to the bench and say, well, we really appreciate your your contributions from November to February. And thank you so much. Hopefully we'll see, you, you know, down the line. I think you still need him, but he's got a we, we thought he broke out of the slump. He told us as much um, earlier this month. I can't even remember what game that was at this point. I know it was before Indiana. So whoever they played before Indiana, uh, but it's. It's tough with him because Brad does have a lot of trust in him. And when he's hitting threes, the gravity, that's such a popular word in basketball, the gravity changes. But if he's not doing that, man, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And I know fans want to see the freshman. I know Melendez, I think, is it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor, I think, in a lot of a lot of ways here moving forward. Goody airballed the three. We didn't see much of Podzimski. It's hard to get a full read on them, but. I don't – with Michigan State coming up on Saturday, Brad said something interesting on his radio show. He doesn't – the small – he's going to have to tinker. I think he said something along the lines of the small lineups. What does that look like, right? And who – the small lineups really referring more or less to – I mean, you're not taking Trent Frazier out. Alfonso Plummer's tough. What, is that DeMonte? Is it Jake? I, I don't know. And is it too soon to, to tweak anything? What, what do they do? What, what tonight tell you they need to do? getting into Saturday. And then I don't know if we'll see it on Saturday because there's another game on Thursday. That's a long time, Saturday to Thursday, if they want to make some adjustments. That, to me, if you're going to see something, could be the the target there. Oh, and just wait for next Thursday where you have another guy who plays the four. (laughs) A lot of times they're going to play some fives and four, depending on the matchups. But uh, EJ is going to be a handful. I don't don't know who you you try to check with him, just anybody and everybody. It might look – you know, something familiar there, but uh, Michigan State does have a big lineup. You know, they have Max Christie, who's 6'6", Gabe Brown in that, certainly in that range, Malik Hall or Hauser, whoever they go with. And I think that Brad is going to have to maybe look at going bigger just to combat some of the rebounding issues. And I know that that's certainly frustrating him. And for a team to be able to get stops, you got to be able to prevent offensive rebounds. And this team last year was – an elite defensive rebounding team, a team that was 11th in the country in defensive rebounding rate. Obviously, Kofi's a big reason for that. Uh, but Io DeSumo was very good on the glass as a guard. Corbello was very good on the glass as a guard. The problem with Corbello is, like, that dude's, like, taking a bouncy ball in a cubicle and just throwing it as hard as you can. That, that's where he's at right now, just all over the – super unpredictable. And I, I do – I similar to what you said, you feel for him because he's – this has got to be the hardest – time imagine we'll be trying to to catch your footing and, and figure things out but uh, he's gonna have to be you know uh, an active rebounder as well but I, I think it's one of the sh- potential shortcomings for Illinois is because they aren't a a long sizable team on the wing or at the off guard positions and uh, when you have that it is uh, usually good at contesting three-point shots it's usually good at keeping teams out of the lane rebounding and on down the line so uh, maybe it means I don't know if he'll change his starting lineup. I'd be I'd be curious to see, but uh, I think that rolling out maybe some bigger lineups with Melendez, uh, maybe it's Melendez and Hawkins. Even I, I don't know. I know Coleman's going to have to earn that uh, earn that trust over a longer period of time. But it's an interesting thought to kind of try to figure out um, because they they do got to have some different answers to what matchups get thrown their way because uh, I think this was one that was problematic for sure. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Coleman because 
over the last two games, we've seen him play with this energy. You know, I, I thought his energy was good tonight as well for the most part. There's some things, you know, a couple drives in the first half that weren't really great, but he hit a three. You started to see a little bit more out of him. You know, a couple rebounds, three rebounds. My God, that constitutes as almost the second best on the team. Seriously, it's just tied for second best on the team. I, I think you're starting to see a little bit more maybe with him. I mean, it, 18 minutes was was a significant amount for where he's been over the course of the last month. But, he, I mean, we still haven't really seen him get all the way back to full form. But he's certainly the guy, you know, a, a long, tall guy. He can shoot. I mean, you know, a lot of the reasons people were excited about him, the coaching staff included, those didn't fundamentally change about who he is. It's – I, I, he's an interesting piece. I, I thought there were some encouraging signs out of him tonight. Yeah, there were. I, I think that you look at the three-point shot that he made, and it was kind of a, a moment of desperation and needed to take a shot and maybe just didn't think about it and let it fly. It's, Coleman was a good, pretty darn good shooter as a high school prospect. I think that's something that he could – if he could really get back to that, of just being a, a guy who's capable of making one from the perimeter, uh, that can help his offensive game. He does get – I know Brad praised him for the Northwestern game where he kind of had a dribble, two-foot jump stop and a controlled move. Tonight was more on the – you know, with his momentum not stopping, the runners, the just kind of not gathering and controlling yourself type of, of drives that – look, somebody's got to be able to drop the ball. Like that <laughs> – it's either throw the ball to Kofi or someone's got to get the ball to the paint, so – uh, I guess maybe a little bit of credit for him to at least give him that effort, but uh, those are like turnovers when he chooses those kind of shots. But yeah, I think his energy has been good. Uh, he did lose Harper in the corner uh, at one point in the second half, even when Illinois was trying to push back. I know Brad was really upset about that. He's still going to have some moments where he's just going to be out of position and, and make some mistakes, but uh, he still has potential to hopefully put it together. Uh, and it's just kind of going to be a night-to-night basis. And we'll see if Coleman can build that confidence. We'll see if Coleman can earn that trust out of Brad. I think that it is at least a positive sign that you've had a couple of games here. I, I'll be honest. I think that there was some warning signs of, is Coleman going to go off the deep end for the rest of the year in terms of his confidence, his role? Is RJ going to completely surpass him? Is Luke Goody going to completely surpass him? And Coleman's just going to be like, checked out or whatever it is. Uh, but to see some positive signs here of late, hopefully that means for Illinois' case in terms of having that length and that four guy uh, that he can maybe figure it out here down the stretch. Yeah, Derek, big picture. This Again, let's, let's caution this loss. One, Rutgers is no longer that East Coast little no. brother that you go just wallop a couple times a year. That, that's not what Rutgers is anymore. Rutgers is – that's a darn good basketball team. That's a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. So this loss, one, it doesn't put Illinois out of the race for a Big Ten championship. Two, it's not going to crash any seed lines probably, right? Like that. that's not all things considered where Rutgers is. That's not a horrible loss. It looked pretty stinking horrible at times in the second half when Rutgers led by 23 points. I, mean, I would have not picked – I mean, I don't – care how crazy the rack is, how good we think Rutgers is. You haven't trailed by 23 since you lost to Cincinnati earlier this year. And everybody remembers how ugly and the feeling leaving Kansas City after that one. 
But it seems like Illinois has had these chances to grab the steering wheel of this Big Ten title race. Then you trip up against Purdue twice. And eh, Purdue's a good team. I mean, they're up. Oh, only by nine. But they're going to win this game against Northwestern. That, that's a good Purdue team. The Maryland was – that was just – you missed Kofi. You didn't play very well either. Maybe try to stay west of Ohio moving forward if you're Illinois. But big picture, Derek, this is a harder a harder road to getting that trophy that they felt robbed of last year. And, and it's not impossible, but now you got a lot more variables in play, namely Wisconsin, still Purdue, still a lot there. Yeah, an opportunity slipped through your fingertips tonight, and it is going to be a dogfight. And I think that when you look at Illinois and Purdue, obviously Purdue's won the two head-to-head battles. It kind of makes sense that they're going to be eye, you know, at eye level as they're pushing down the stretch here uh, in terms of trying to see who's going to win it or maybe ultimately share it. Uh, Purdue lost in this building in, in a different fashion, you know, at the buzzer. But, uh, again, I, I said prior to the game, and I think – you probably agree, or a lot of people kind of thought on the same line. I thought this was as tough as any game remaining for Illinois. So the fact that they lost it, just that fact alone doesn't change a whole lot for me. I think that, uh, you know, if they can go to Michigan State, who I think Illinois has a better chance of beating than this Rutgers team because Michigan State offensively is is not all that pretty and, and just they're not, a, they're not playing as well as this Rutgers team is right now, uh, they can put themselves in a good position again. But you better be ready to – to really have to take care of business. And there's a chance that one of these teams runs the table. I'm not sure it's going to ultimately happen. I think that Purdue has the best chance. Uh, can they win at Wisconsin? Uh, and there's one more road game mixed in there. I forget who their other one is. Oh, if I could figure out how to internet, Derek, I would look. <laughs> I think it is. I think it's another road game. But uh, Wisconsin has Michigan at home. They have – Purdue at home, and then they have at Rutgers. So I think they have a little bit more of a tougher task here down the stretch. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's that's the interesting part of the way you want to look at this. If you want to look at this of context of winning the Big Ten title or from the standpoint of a seed, I think that you know losing tonight doesn't knock you from a three seed down to a five seed. But uh, I think that you're still in fine position there. I think that just maybe some of the – if you take the performance at its whole in this game, it even takes some of the signs of it when they've been winning despite long droughts. Be you know, wrong side of nineteen to two against Northwestern. Uh, what happened in the second half at Purdue, uh, and some of the some of those other indicators. How trustworthy is this Illinois team right now? I guess that's a that's a when you're expecting a sustained run in the NCAA tournament. So they got to be able to figure that out. When threes aren't going to go down, what are they going to do? When teams double Kofi, what are they going to do? Uh, can they rebound the ball well enough against when you face an athletic team, a physical team? There are some questions Brad's going to have to be able to answer. How reliable is RJ Melendez? Those are things that they got to answer kind of big picture for the ultimate, you know, the end game of this season. But in terms of the race and, and seeding and everything, it's still – Destiny's still in their hands, but it is definitely a a tighter, more stressful path. And as you wrote, probably going to come down to the very last game uh, of playing at home against Iowa on March 6th. Yeah, you would just like to have seen them in all four of these Big Ten losses, which, again, not a lot of losses in the Big Ten, but you would have just liked to see them get – I felt like all those 
maybe not Maryland, but definitely Purdue at home. You would have liked to see them just grab control of this and and really move on. I think you've also invited Rutgers into the conversation down the stretch here. Now they've got a tough schedule. They've got at Purdue, at Michigan, home against Wisconsin, at Indiana, home against Penn State. That, that's tough sledding. But look, man, it's they want to win this thing. We'll see what happens. Derek, I do want to ask, I heard on the Big Ten Network, they talked a lot about, and I know you talked to a couple beat writers. This was kind of like the Super Bowl in New Jersey, huh? Like it seemed like people were really looking at this like one of the bigger games of, of Steve Peichel's tenure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was asking around, have they done a blackout or anything like that before? And uh, the writer I was talking to said, you know, no. Uh, and this place was absolutely rocking. They knew, and in some of the conversation I was talking to uh, Brian from uh, NewJersey.com, and he was saying that there was a feeling around this fan base. You know, Rutgers was five and three in quad one games coming into this game. They had a nice record in conference. See number twelve Illinois, who's you know going to for sure be a top three, four seed in the tournament. You beat them. You beat all the top, essentially all the top teams in the league in the Big Ten. This was their ticket. In their minds, punching their ticket to the NCAA tournament for sure. Like, I, they got tough games down the stretch. I think they can probably say for sure that by winning this game that they're going to the NCAA tournament. So they they certainly felt that. There's a lot of respect, too, between these two programs. And I know that Rutgers isn't feeling very well about the fact that they got hammered in Champaign. They got hammered in the Big Ten tournament by Illinois last year. Uh, and they like when these te- teams get together because they're – they think around – you know – same type of toughness, values, and, and all that, and the coaches. Um, so this was a huge game. This place is a phenomenal environment. It's it's probably still underrated for as much as we still kind of, oh, the rack and all that. Like, it's it's big time. And uh, they, they got it done today. And and I, I like some of their pieces. Like, Amori has really developed. And his stretch here of late, I mean, he was coming in averaging, like, 15 and eight in his last five. Uh, he put together a great performance. McKay's been the, the kind of the mind blowing one. And I know how good Harper is. I know the bit Baker's a good shot maker. Um, their depth is still a concern, but in terms of their starting five, it's, it's a pretty good five to throw out there really against anybody. They could be anybody on a given night. Yeah. I thought Baker made a couple of really big mid range shots tonight when Illinois was starting to climb back into it. He buried a few. All right, Derek, you are in New Jersey. Werner was watching Kenwood and Thornton. No word on if Brad Underwood would make him bring Ty Rogers with us to East Lansing on Saturday. Ty Rogers is really good. He might be Mr. Basketball. He's going to be he's going to be one of the, the, the people pretty deep into that conversation. Oh, I don't know. What's, what's he say? Take care of yourself. Uh, be well. Yeah. Well, Take care I, of each other. Yeah, go for it. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. Rate us. Review us. Uh, I don't know how people in East Lansing would feel about Ty Rogers showing up in orange and blue. I mean, that's already going to be a tough pill to swallow next year. But, uh, yeah, that might be one thing that helps put Brad to sleep tonight is, is seeing his stat line against Kenwood. Sounds like he was playing well, at least in the text message that Jeremy was sending to us. So he'll he'll have coverage from Thornton versus Kenwood. I'll be writing more about this game from Piscataway, the kind of the overall takeaway. I think I'm going to have a column and uh, also just kind of – some quotes and, and takeaways. We got the videos up. We got the quick hits up. I know you're working on player grades, and uh, we're traveling to East Lansing. We're rolling thick, three deep to to Michigan State. So that'll be fun. So 
Stay tuned to AlliantInquire.com. For Joey Wagner, I'm Derek Piper. We will talk to you next time. Have a good night. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves, demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus.